you might not believe this, but sometimes I don't want to go to church. Now you might say, but wait, you are a pastor. And I say, yes, I am by the grace of God, I'm a pastor. But still there are times that I wake up on a Sunday morning and I'm like, ah, I'd rather just kind of stay in bed a little bit longer. Maybe I don't want to go to church. There, maybe there's some other place that I'd rather be today. Um, you know, sometimes I'm just tired. As the, the saying goes, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I just, I wanna sleep. I wanna be lazy. I wanna do something different. The waves might be good. There might be a good game on that I wanna watch. There's other excuses of things I need to get done or there's other things that are start flooding my mind. Sometimes I might just feel discouraged or apathetic or just plain lazy and, and I don't wanna go to church. Can anyone here relate to me? Anybody sometime? Yeah. It's, it's something that we all experience. But with all of those sorts of reasons that happen in us, and it happens to all of us, what really is happening with me, what's going on with me in that is I've, I've lost sight of what's really going on when we gather together for a church service, when we actually are gathering together for worship, when we gather together for a life group as those are about to begin, or even like we did this week on Friday at the Bay, um, there, there's something going on when the people of God are gathering together for worship. And sometimes we forget that. We just think, oh, it's just another commitment that I have in my schedule, my routine. It's just what I do. It's every Sunday I go to church or every Friday I go to a life group. Or sometimes that's, it, it's just, it's our, our habit. And, and not all habits obviously are bad. But I think what happens when we really get bogged down with it is that we've just lost sight of what's really happening. And over the past four weeks, we've been talking about spiritual practices. Practices, things that we do that can change us, all right? And, and they change us from a spiritual level. They build our, our spiritual health. And we've looked at all these different practices that when we practice them, they impact us spiritually and they transform us spiritually. They, they allow us to draw closer to God and anyone who gets close to God gets changed. That's the way it works. Anytime you're in the presence of God, you're going to be changed in some way. And in the last two weeks, we've been specifically talking about worship. And I told you that worship is our direct expression of love to God. That's what worship is. When we're worshiping, whether it's through music or last week as we saw through giving, whatever the, the form of worship is, worship is something that we are doing and bringing and giving to God. That's what happens when we worship. We, we come and offer our worship to the one who is worthy of worship. And we always want those things when we gather together as the church, we want to come and gather together and offer worship to God. And when we gather together in Jesus's name, we want it to be an act of worship to God. And that's our topic today, worship through gathering. When we gather together, that it would be an act of worship. Now, just like I told you, singing doesn't automatically equal worship. 
And, and giving a financial donation doesn't automatically equal worship. In the same way, simply gathering together a group of people doesn't equal worship. Just because we show up to church doesn't mean that we're going to actually worship. Just because we gather people together, even a group of Christians together, and put them all in the same room in the same place and say, we're going to have a worship service. That doesn't mean that worship is, is necessarily going to take place. And, and really the saddest thing is that even today, there are people all over this great country that are gathering together in churches with other people that have gathered together to worship, but it doesn't necessarily mean that worship's happening. And I'm not pointing fingers at individual churches or anything like that, but that can happen. You can still gather together in a place of worship with other people to worship and never enter in to actual worship. There could be a lot of activity, a lot of interaction, great music, an inspiring message, but worship can still be absent in a gathering. Now, what we're talking about here today, I'm not gonna talk about forms of worship. I'm not saying, all right, you have to do this or do that to actually be worshiping. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the heart issue, the heart level issues and, and about the posture of the soul when we gather together for worship, all right? And there's a lot of great reasons to gather together. We are, are, are communal people. We thrive in community. There are a few people here and there in the world that have decided they wanna to try to get as far away from every other human being as possible, right? The, the nomads move out into the middle of the wilderness in Alaska somewhere, or try to find some little spot on earth where they're like, I never wanna see another human. There are those people, but they got problems, guys. <laughs> They've got problems. Naturally, human beings are made to interact with other people. We're meant to be in community. We're meant to live in community. We're meant to have friendships and relationships. We, we are, are meant to learn and grow from each other. We're made to be this way. And we have lots of good reasons to get together. Reasons for friendship and celebration or education, recreation. And when we gather together, all of those great things can be included, but something else is needed for a gathering to shift into the place of worship, to move from just a collection of people getting together and worship. And if you've opened your Bibles already to Hebrews chapter 10, we're gonna start reading here this morning in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. And here's what it says here today. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, look what it says here in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, this is one of those passages of scripture that a lot of times pastors point to and say, see, don't neglect gathering together. You should come to church, all right? Now, this isn't a message to tell you you should come to church. If, if I'm gonna preach that message, I'd be going house to house to the people that aren't here today, preaching that message. You guys are here at church. Okay, that's not what this is about. Although you should go to church. You should, you should gather together. Why? Because each one of you is a unique part of this body. The Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. And every one of us, every single one of us is one of those body parts that make up the whole. And it's important that you're here. We are the church. I'm not the church. It's, it's not the building that we're in. It's not the, 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 the band that's up here leading you in worship. It's not the content. It's not the programs. It's the people. The church is the people. And if one of us is missing, we feel it. We know that we recognize that, that lack. But this isn't a sermon to tell you to come to church. It's a sermon to tell you to worship when you do. Because it's very easy for us, especially on those mornings where we wake up and we're like, ah, I could sleep an extra hour today. It's the weekend, you know. I'd really rather not be there, whatever. And sometimes just out of sheer willpower, we get up and come anyway. But have you ever gone through a total worship service at the end of a Sunday? You're like, man, did I worship? What, what did I hear there? What did I actually do there? I'm not even sure. It just kind of went through in a blur. That's not what we want. When we gather, when we take the time, we make the effort, we come and gather together, what we want to do is we want to not just show up, but we actually want to worship. We wanna move into a place of worship. Now, I hope that you've learned over the past couple of weeks that worship requires something from us. It requires something from us. Worship is something that we give. Okay, we express our love to God. We engage with God. Now, of course we know that when we worship, we receive huge benefits back from God. When we come and meet with God and, and offer ourselves in worship, God blesses us. He always out blesses anything that we can offer him, right? That's true. But worship begins with giving, okay? And when we worship through gathering, there's a couple things specifically that we come and offer. For one thing, we offer our presence. You're here. You're just being here, making it to the chair, you know, making it into the building. You've offered your presence. The other thing that's very valuable to every one of us that we all have the same varying, I guess, limited resource of is time. We're giving our time and we're giving our presence to come to a place of worship. And it's a real shame if we actually go through those steps, offer our bodies to be here and our time that we're giving up to be here and then don't worship. It's like you miss out. You, you go down to the Padre game and you stand in the bathroom all night. You know, it's like, what's the point? <laughs> Why did you even show up? Why did you get there? No, we want to actually engage. In a true worship service, requires worshipers of God 
and the presence of God. But if God is present and we don't give ourselves the worship, we can miss the whole thing. And, and one of the first things that I want you to recognize as we think about this, of what it is like act, actually is to, to worship through gathering, is it's important to re- remember that God wants to be involved in our worship. Okay, and when I say you could come to worship and not actually worship, what I'm saying is, is you can come to church and not actually engage with God. You can miss the God that you're trying to find when you come to worship. And, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. And in fact, God wants to meet you in worship. That's why he calls us to worship. He invites us to worship. He wants you to connect with him when you come together in worship. There's a story in the Old Testament that really gives a a, a cool picture of this, I think. So you you may know um, a lot about King David, all right? If you go back through the Old Testament and you read through that, King David was the, the first king of Israel. Now, King David had quite a journey to to take the throne. Uh, Sorry, not the first, King Saul was the first. King David was the first good king of Israel, all right? And in this journey of of doing what he had to do to take the throne, um, Saul, who was the first king, was doing all kinds of things to try to kill David and chase David. And he wandered through the wilderness and uh, King David was a a warrior. He had to do a lot of fighting, killed a lot of people, starting with Goliath. He was in constant battle and hiding and, 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 and being exiled and running from the kingdom. He had a rough go of it, all right? But eventually, as David took the throne and things sort of settled out in the kingdom and he kind of uh, solidified his power, he got established there in Jerusalem. And as he was aging a bit, he decided, I want to build a temple to God. I want to be faithful to the God that's been faithful to me all these years. And so he started going about gathering all these supplies and he was said, I'm gonna, this, the construction supplies, and he said, I'm gonna build this, this magnificent temple to God. And it's gonna be something that people from all around the world hear about and look at. And, and I want them to say, this is the place that represents the dwelling of God Almighty, all right? And so as he began to do that, a prophet was, God spoke to a prophet and said, go tell David, I appreciate his effort I appreciate his desire, but because he's, he's such a violent man, he's, he's, a, he's a man after my own heart, but he's also a man of bloodshed. He said, I don't think it's appropriate for him to build me this place of worship. Instead though, because he wants to do this, tell him that I'm going to allow his son, who's gonna reign in his place, to build me the temple. All right, and so as time goes on, David turns the kingdom over to Solomon. And we've studied quite a bit about Solomon. And Solomon then took the materials that David had started collecting and Solomon set on this incredible architectural feat of building this temple in Jerusalem. And as we went through the book of Ecclesiastes and we studied out Solomon's life, we know that Solomon was gifted supernaturally by God with all this wisdom. And Solomon had this desire and ability to learn all of these architectural techniques and building techniques and understood the science of the day and humanities. And he had this incredible vision and view of what it was to build spectacular things. And Solomon builds this incredible temple, Solomon's temple, the first temple in Jerusalem. And when he builds this temple, when the construction process is all done, 
He gathers together the entire kingdom and says, everybody come to Jerusalem. We're going to have the dedication service of all dedications. And we are going to begin worship in this place, in this building that we've built, in this temple. And so Solomon gathers everybody together and he comes down in among the people and everybody's scattered out there. And now their king comes through and everybody gets quiet. And the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles that Solomon comes down among the people and he kneels down and he lifts his hands to heaven and he begins to pray. And 2 Chronicles covers this prayer and talks about some of these things that he prays. And he says, Lord, this place is for your honor. It's for your glory. This is a house where your people will come and meet with you, the living God. And he starts praying, Lord, when we pray, we ask that you would hear us. We pray that when we need your wisdom, that you'd give us your wisdom, that you'd speak to us, you'd protect us. And he goes through and just lays it out before God and says, God, may you be here in this place. And a radical thing happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Here's what it says. It says, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. They had set up on these altars, all these sacrifices hadn't, hadn't cooked them yet. But the fire from heaven comes down and lights these things on fire. And listen, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. So you see what took place here? The people gathered together, they recognized God's presence among them, and then they engaged in worship. And notice it was not only a posture of their bodies because they literally fell down on the ground, kneeling down in worship, but it was also a posture of their hearts. They were presenting their hearts to God saying, it is you, you are good, you are the almighty, you are the one worthy of worship. That's what was happening when these people gathered together at this point. This is actually what we want to do when we gather together, all right? Yes, things are different now because we don't physically see the cloud of God's presence come and land over the gym. I wish it would. <laughs> it would be a lot easier to invite people to church every Sunday. You'd be like, you'd talk to your neighbor, like there's no God. Oh yeah, there is. Really? Tell me how there's a God. Well, let me just tell you. At Salt Creek in this gym, every Sunday, if you drive by, you'll see a giant cloud sitting only there. It's representing the, the presence of God. They'd be like, really? Like, even if I don't believe you, I'm gonna drive by just to check right? That would be wonderful. I would love that. It doesn't work that way now. And, and God knows why. He's got a, a plan. He's got a reason. 
But even though we don't physically see the clouds of God's glory, the cloud of God's glory filling the house each Sunday, as our, the Hebrews passage shows us, we now have a great high priest that has gone before us who has sent his spirit not only to fill a building, but to fill each one of our hearts. Because that's part of the difference now. The people then did not have the spirit of God, the presence of God indwelling them. He was external to them. He was outside of them. And they would have to come there to experience the presence of God. Here's what Jesus said to us in John 14, 15 to 17. He said this, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, what we discover is that is exactly what happened. Jesus, before he had ascended, promised his followers and said, I'm going back to the Father. But when I go back to the Father, I'm going to send my spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and not only be with you in earth, but he's actually going to indwell you. Those that would invite him into their hearts, into their lives, that he will dwell with your spirit within you. That's what's taken place. Now, even though his spirit dwells within each believer individually, there's still a different experience of the presence of God when we all gather together in worship. There's a difference. There's something about gathering together. This is why the early church continued to meet together as a group even after the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they had been filled with the Spirit. This is why churches have regularly gathered ever since. Jesus didn't say, I'm gonna send each one of you the Holy Spirit so then you're all on your own. And it's just kind of this solo mission to go find God on your own. No, that's not the way it is. There's something unique that happens. What happens when we gather together for worship and actually worship? God uniquely meets his people. All right, so not only does God want to meet us with his presence in our worship, he meets us in a unique way. And when Christians gather together for worship, we need to be aware of the presence of God among us and then engage in worship, asking God to meet us in the process. And when we don't come that way, we lose sight of the reason that we gather. Also in the Old Testament, there's another very interesting story that's kind of the flip side of what we saw with Solomon. Later on, just a couple of generations later, the people of Israel have gotten used to worship. They know the temple is there. They go through their routines. It's all kind of shifted into this religious mode. It's kind of a ritual. They do it, but they're not real. They're, they're showing up, but they're not really engaging in worship. And the prophet Ezekiel has a very disturbing vision. Okay, God speaks to prophets in very different ways than he speaks to normal people. And when you read through the Old Testament, especially when you read through the prophets, you're like, 
these guys were weird. <laughs> and the things that God said to these people were weird. You know, you've got a certain prophet that had to lay naked on his side for a year while he was prophesying. You've got other ones, Hosea, who was told, hey, you see that prostitute over there? She needs to be your wife. Go marry her. She's going to cheat on you your whole life. You're constantly going to have to go track her down, but do it anyway. You know, there's all kinds of things that God would say to another one. He's like, you're going to cook your food in fecal matter, okay? I mean, there's some weird stuff that happens to the prophets. But this particular vision that, that God gave Ezekiel was a powerful vision that I think was for other people as well. And in Ezekiel uh, chapters 10 and 11, what Ezekiel saw was he saw that same cloud of glory in the temple. And God showed him this supernaturally and said, Ezekiel, I want you to see what's happening with the people. These people that are called by my name. The people of Israel that have been given the law and given this, this way, this method of worship. I want you to see what's actually happening in their hearts. And so he gives him this, this, this visual and he looks and he sees inside the Holy of Holies, which was the tiniest little room in the middle of the temple where the Ark of the Covenant was kept and where the glory of the Lord filled that, the, the temple on that day. All right. Remember um, when we looked at the thing in Chronicles where they said the priest couldn't even go in because the cloud, the glory of God was so full in that place. Well, that's what was happening. And so Ezekiel sees this and he's like, okay, it's a vision of the temple. There's the glory of God, the cloud of God there in the temple. But here's what happens. The, the cloud begins to move and it comes out of the Holy of Holies and it moves into the outer courts of the temple. And from the outer of the courts of the temple, it continues to move and then it moves to the threshold, the way into the temple. And the glory of God, the cloud moves out onto this throne that these cherubim are carrying. And then Ezekiel watches this as he's freaking out because he's like, What's, where are you going, God? You're not in the Holy of Holies. You're not in the temple. You're here at the door. He gets on this throne and all of a sudden it, it takes off and it runs out toward the Mount of Olives. And Ezekiel looks back at the temple and it's empty. The presence of God is gone from this place. But the saddest part of all of it is, as God's showing him this vision, God is telling Ezekiel, he says, the glory of God has departed and the people don't even know it. I'm gone and they don't even realize it's happened. And guys, we have to be aware of this because this can happen still in churches today. It can happen among the people of God. It's happened before, it can happen again. People can get into a religious mode and they go through the rituals they say the prayers, they stand up, they sit down, they rub the beads, they do what they're supposed to do. They faithfully give, they show up and their hearts are far from God. And God says, I don't know exactly what it is that you're doing here, but it doesn't include me. It's not worship. We don't want that to ever happen. We don't wanna just go through the motions. God, we need God's presence among us. 
And we never want to come to that point. Now, we know that he will never leave us or forsake us. I understand that. I would rather he just disband our church altogether than, than to leave us on our own. He's not going to do that. He's not going to abandon us. But if we get into that mode where we just shift into religion and we're just these religious people, we can miss the entire presence of God. So not only does God want to meet with us and that he does uniquely meet with his people, we also have to recognize that God meets us in each other. All right, he meets us through each other and in each other. This is another reason that we, have to, we want to come and truly enter into a place of worship. Because it's easy to see that worship is for God and it's for me, but it's also for one another. The, the other reason that we come and enter into a place of worship is because of the way that that spills out and pours out on the rest of our church family. The way that you worship and when you enter into worship, you actually are encouraging your brothers and sisters to enter into worship and to truly engage in worship. It's, it's part of the reason that, that we're called to faithfully gather together with our hearts set on worship. You recognize that God speaks to you through other people, right? He does that all the time. Sometimes, hopefully, by the grace of God, what I pray for all the time is that God would speak through me to you, right? But he also speaks through, through each one of you to one another. Sometimes you might have a word of the Lord to speak to someone else. Sometimes it's not even something that's super spiritual. Sometimes it's a matter of walking up to somebody who's having a bad day, putting your arm around them and say, hey, I'm glad to see you. That's enough to encourage them, to build them up, to get them going, to put another foot in front of the next for the next step. There's lots of ways that we minister to each other. God ministers to us through his body. That's why he calls us his body, right? It's why Christians are sometimes called the hands and feet of Jesus. It's you guys ministering to each other. And when we gather together, we're offering our worship to God. He's blessing us and, we're, and he's also allowing us to work together with him as we love one another. Did you realize that our greeting time in church is actually meant to be a form of worship? You might just think it's like a good transition point to let the band get down and me get back up and you guys stretch your legs a little bit. Those are all true and good. But really what's happening here is this an opportunity for you to share the love? In, in some uh, very traditional churches, they even call it to pass the peace. Okay, that's a phrase that I, I think the Lutheran church talks about that. It's not greeting time, it's, it's time to pass the peace. And what are you doing? You're actually passing the peace of God to one another. You're, you're sharing love with each other. You're meeting others that may not know everybody. It's, there's something going on that kind word, a hello, a human connection. We're being united and woven together. And God has given us the church for his glory and for our benefit. And when we gather together in worship, we're being spiritually transformed. Listen to the way Paul describes the church. All right, Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 to 16. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Here's what he says. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. These are all roles within the church. What for? To equip the saints. That's you guys. That's us. 
for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are being built up through each other, with each other, when we gather together in worship. And when we just show up without engaging, we short circuit the whole process. And that's not what we wanna do. It's not worth your time. Not only that, when we gather together and worship through gathering, there's another side effect that is important and good. We also, when we gather together as the church, we're revealing Jesus to others, to the outside world. People may drive by here on a Sunday morning and see some flag that says South Point Church sitting out front. It may not mean a whole lot to them. It might mean something to them. They might be the person that drives by and says, you know, I really ought to go back to church. I was a kid, I was raised in church, haven't been there in a long time. Things are kind of hard right now. I've been trying a lot of different things and looking for different opportunities. I don't know, maybe they got something to say. Maybe I ought to show up and see what's going on in there. Maybe I ought to wait until the weather cools down because that gym's probably pretty hot. (laughs) I don't know what they think. Or maybe just when we gather together at the bay on the beach the other night, you know? They're like, what what are those people doing? Oh, they're dunking people in the water. That's a strange game while everybody else watches. Oh, it's a church. Oh, yeah, God, Christianity, faith, hmm. I don't know. There's different opportunities that happen. But we're revealing Jesus to others when we gather together in worship. The church is the outpost of God's kingdom on earth. It's heaven's embassy. That's what the church is. We are representatives of the new kingdom. We are placed together to shine the light of the gospel into the world around us. So not only do we build each other up, but we're meant to out of that strength and be able to build others and reach the lost with the gospel. And that's amplified, the light is amplified when this little light of mine is met with your light and with your light and with your light. You put them all together and the light glows bigger. And and when we gather together in worship, we're putting a stake down in spiritual territory. And we don't wanna underestimate the impact of gathering together as God's people. What you do, what I'm trying to get you to see is guys, when you come together to come to church or some church meeting, and you're actually worshiping and engaging in worship, a lot more is happening than you can realize from just coming up and sitting in a chair. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16, it says this. We're almost done here, guys. It says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession 
and through us, through the church, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Do you see this of how this works when you gather together with your church family? Look, if the whole world could only see Jesus because of me in my life, there's not gonna be a lot of people being saved, all right? Hopefully there might be a couple that really resonate with me and understand God through me and the way that I can interpret that and explain that. But when it's not just me, it's all of you gathered together and all of you are bringing the unique parts of who you are as a person and your life story and your experiences and who God has uniquely made you to be, now all of a sudden it becomes a much clearer picture of what's going on. You know, uh, screens use LED technology, right? And if you get really close to an LED TV, if you actually looked at each pixel, each little bit of light, you can just see a color. You can't actually see the rest of the picture. But as you back up and you see all the lights in the image together, now it actually makes a clear picture. And the finer that resolution is, the clearer the picture becomes. It's the same thing with people. When we're all gathered together and we're all people that know God and are worshiping God and experiencing God in our lives, what happens is it's like the, the glowing coals on a fire. Fire begets fire and we're heating each other up and there's a greater light and a greater glow. People see that and they recognize that and they get a clearer picture of Jesus. Instead of having to look at one person, now they're looking at a group of people. They can oversee some of the shortcomings of all of us individuals. They can start seeing God and who he is beyond an individual. That's what's going on. We're sharing this fragrance of Christ to the people that we're around. That's what we're called to do. So that's what worship through gathering involves. That's what it is. God meeting us in a unique way and us being impacted and impacting others. So how should we do it as we finish here? Three quick little things. How do we do it then? How do you worship through gathering? How do you push past the, I don't wanna get out of bed today. I don't wanna go to church. How do you do it? Well, I'm gonna tell you the first thing is pretty much discipline. The first thing is you just gotta show up. <laughs> you can't worship with gathering if you don't gather. All right, you've gotta show up. And the sense of community, the shared relationships and the experience of God's presence in the unique way require you to be there. Somebody can tell you, if you didn't come to church one week, they're like, oh man, last week, you missed it. It was great. This happened and that happened and, and God really moved in this powerful way. That's great, but you weren't there, you didn't get it. it you've gotta show up. Let me also say this, not only come, but it's also good to come on time. <laughs> and, and when I say on time, I don't mean make it to the parking lot by the time that church starts, right? It's to be here and to be in here. And from the very first note played and the very first prayer, whatever it is, be here. I know that's not always easy. And, and, and I know that even gathering in general sometimes isn't possible. Sometimes things come up. Sometimes we have people in town. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we have other, uh, you know, things that require our time. I understand that. We have people that are a part of this church that can't gather with us. 
For some, it's physical reasons. Other people work on Sundays. Uh, there's, there are those things, but they're still a part of us. And God knows those limitations and he can still knit our hearts together from a distance. But when possible, when possible, craft your life in a way that allows you to gather in worship. So show up. The second thing you gotta do is then, this is the hard one, is you have to set your heart on God. That's the big step, the big next step. Getting here, then setting your heart on God. We gather with the intention of worshiping. We're bringing ourselves to God. And I want you to notice this is very different than coming to get something out of church. A lot of people come to church with the idea of, I just come to church to get whatever they can give me and I leave. That's not worship. It's consumer Christianity. You went to the Christian theater, right? You, you went to the movie, you watched it, you decided if you liked it or not and you left. That's not what worship is. We come to bring ourselves to God. We know that God loves to bless us and we will receive, but we come with a heart to worship. And finally then, once we've, we've come, we've shown up, we've set our hearts in God, then we faithfully engage. There will still be mornings that it's harder than others to make it to church or to life group or some other worship event. And there will be some times that you'd rather just sit in your seat when it comes time to greet and to worship in that way. You know, those days happen. But just like all of the spiritual practices, when we faithfully do them, we start changing and we grow. And if you do it over and over and over, you'll find it's easier and easier to move into a place of worship. Last thought, and I'll wrap us up in prayer. Can you imagine what the church would feel like if this is how we all came to church every Sunday? And, and to be honest, guys, again, I'm not giving these messages because I think we're all blowing it and we need to fix something. I, that's not what, what, what I'm saying. But when we all have the understanding and we're all moving in that same direction together, the life that can come from that, the vibrancy of a church that's like that is, is, is pretty amazing. So let's keep pursuing God and watch what he'll do among us. Pray with me. God, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that we as a church would experience worship when we gather. Lord, if nothing else, God, I pray this would just be a reminder for my brothers and sisters here today of what it is we're doing when we come to church. I pray that it would be a reminder, Lord, that we are gathered here for you. We want to see your presence. We want to experience your presence. We want to come and offer ourselves to you. We want to come and express our love to you. We want to give of ourselves, of all that we are to you. And Lord, we come with an expectation, a heart desiring to meet with you there. Lord, I'm all for it. If you want to start appearing at every South Point service with a cloud over our building, wherever we're at, Lord, we ask you to do that. But Lord, even if we don't visually see it, God, may we sense it and recognize it in our souls. We want to be in your presence. As always, Lord, we invite you to be among us when we worship you. And I pray, Lord, that we would tangibly sense the presence, your presence, 
almighty God when we gather together in worship. Help us grow in this way. Open our eyes to this, Lord. Even if if we've never really worshiped before, Lord, I pray that you'd help us get there and grow in that. And may that overflow, Lord, spill out from our gatherings into the world around us. Lord, may it spill out in the way that we pray, the way we pray for one another, in the way that we sing, in the way that we give, in the way that we serve, in the way that we love, in the way that we work, the way that we study at school. May our hearts overflow with worship toward you, knowing God that you will meet us, you will fill us to overflowing. And so I just pray God that you would do that among us and continue to help us grow and expand. Lord, through this week with our church, Lord, I pray that you'd watch over our church family. Lord, I pray for those that may be sick today. I pray that you'd heal them and touch them. I pray if there, I know there may be at least one in the hospital this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would touch his body. I pray that you would just do a powerful thing among your people, that you'd meet us in the ways that you desire to meet us, Lord, because we need you. We want you. We want to be led by you and and know the experience of truly worshiping you and gathering. Thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name.